This Israel report is brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Owning properties in Israel can be a great investment, but challenging to manage if you are based abroad. The Blue Agency will manage every aspect of your property, finding and vetting tenants, maintaining your property and getting it rental ready, negotiating contracts and collecting rentals, reporting back to you regularly. The Blue Agency has built a reputation for trust and confidentiality over 20 years. The Blue Agency, your Israel property is in good hands. Contact us at www.thebueagency.com. The Israel Report for the latest news and insights with Anthony Reich. Anthony Reich, Bokotov, good morning. How are you? Bokotov, unfortunately, we've started the morning with really not very good news, uh, with the IDF declaring that two officers have fallen in battle in Gaza. And what's interesting for me is that both of these are captains and deputy company commanders in their respective Mm, units. mm, mm. And it kind of puts a little bit of a spotlight on the modus operandi of the IDF as opposed to other armies around the world. Um, The way that the IDF works and expects of their leaders and their commanders is that they will lead their troops into battle. That is the way that things work here, not the other way around, not sending your troops into battle and watching from behind what happens. Mm -hmm. And as a result of that, we see many of our casualties now, um, almost 50 casualties now all in all since the um, ground invasion in Gaza began. Many of our casualties are in fact um, officers and Commanders of their units, of their companies, of their the battalions, of their platoons, many of them are officers and leaders of their um, of their troops because they are the ones who are really go in first, leading the troops behind them. And it's become so ingrained within the IDF that that's the way of working. That it's not always obvious that that's not the way that other armies mm-hmm. around the world mm-hmm. work. Um, but that's the way things work here, and there's a certain level of pride associated with the fact that the leader goes first yeah. and uh, takes whatever is coming in, makes sure. means that he has to be extra cautious, um, but it is the leader who goes in first. Um, I also wanted just to hit a topic that um, has sort of been um, bubbling under the surface about the involvement of um, press photographers in the October the 7th massacres. There have been such a lot written about that because what we, what we discovered from the October the 7th massacres was that there were seen to be people on the ground ready to take photographs and to send them off to press agencies. And a number of, um, photographers, press photographers from within Gaza were fingered and were identified as saying, you guys seem to be on the ground waiting for the event to happen. And if you're on the ground waiting for the event to happen, it means you kind of know about it beforehand. Um, and so there's a certain amount of blame that's been associated with some of the press from Gaza, photographers and, and press reporters, saying they were really part of the plans. But it doesn't end there because the problem is that many of those same photographers are selling their photographs to some of the more well-known, well-established um, international press agencies, uh, newspapers around the world like the New York Times, like the international press, the same people 
are selling their material to those international agencies. Mm, and so mm. the problem is that those international agencies by, by, by implication become involved in the crime of a journalist of knowing that a massacre is going to take place before it happens and positioning themselves ready to take the photographs, um, which one would imagine is not quite the most um, moral method of, of operating. Um, and I just wanted to um, share that with listeners because I know that, um, you know, people like to get involved in some of these controversial issues Absolutely. and just have make their views known about the role of the these photographers mm-hmm. and the journalists in the massacre and, and how how should they be uh, uh, how should they be held accountable for that big and 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 is it right that that newspapers like the New York Times are buying photographs from these guys? It's really really crazy. Really Howard, nice. one more thing mm, before yes. we talk about um, before we talk about what's been going on on the ground. Um, you and I discussed yesterday this letter that um, uh, I had read, which was addressed from uh, what's called a diverse diverse group of South African oh, Jews gosh. who expressed their oh. dismay. By the mm. situation that is unfolding in Israel and Palestine, um, that was the first let- the first sentence of their letter, and um, I read it a number of times. And my initial reaction was, um, I was outraged by the letter initially, and I've sort of calmed down a little bit, <laughs> and I've tried to make sense of this because I think um, that these people have written this letter with good intentions, trying to express what they really feel. My issue with the letter, and I'll go through some of the points that were made uh, for the benefit of listeners who haven't seen the letter and don't understand what I'm talking about. Some of the points that they've made, I feel, are poorly researched. I feel that they are inaccurate, and therefore, people are forming opinions based on inaccurate information. And I would like to just point some of those inaccuracies out. Um, I understand that many of the signatories to this letter are, in fact, academics, um, and I would hold them to a higher standard because I think academics know how to do proper research and how to put their names to accurate information. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, many of the points that are made here are, are wholly inaccurate. Um, and so I would just like to raise one or two of them just for the benefit of listeners. So um, the, the, the letter starts out by talking about the assault uh, on October the 7th. Uh, and being uh, devastated by the lives that were lost without actually being critical of Hamas. They do say a brutal attack by Hamas in southern Israel, um, but they don't actually criticize Hamas or go as far as saying it's an act of terror, which I think it was. And I think that that's, a, a, that's an omission which is worthy of, of, of mention. Um, but then they go on to say, we insist, however, that one heinous crime does not justify another. And then they say, for this reason, we call for an immediate cease to Israel's bombardment and blockade of Gaza. We condemn the denial of basic resources such as water, food, electricity, internet and medical supplies to Palestinian civilians. As of today, Israel's campaign in Gaza has exacted a toll of at least 9,770 Palestinian lives, including 4,008 children. We abhor the use of collective punishment and see Israel's response as dramatically disproportionate. We are distressed at the fact that this has taken place alongside the state and settler-led violence against Palestinians in the West Bank. They also say we acknowledge that the current cycle of violence is rooted in decades of dispossession. Mm. We also acknowledge that this conflict is fundamentally asymmetrical in nature between a powerful military force and a stateless people who have resisted the denial of their basic human rights for generations. So 
What I would just like to say to this group of people who have written and signed this letter is that all of this really seems to lay the blame of those civilian deaths at the feet of Israel. And I think that we need to just understand and just put things into perspective and just remember that it is Hamas who have chosen to to fight a war from within civilian areas because they know that there's going to be one of two possible outcomes. Outcome number one is that there are going to be a lot of civilian deaths as a result of which groups like these people and the international community will place a lot of pressure on Israel to cease the operation. And let's forget, not forget that Israel's operation is not against the civilians. And in fact, Israel's operation is attempting to try to somehow circumvent the civilians rather than get them involved in the crossfire because all of the military installations have purposefully been built within civilian areas. So if I was writing this letter, I would say the civilian deaths are all the responsibility of Hamas. Civilian deaths in Gaza are all because Hamas has chosen to put their civilian infrastructure into their, their military infrastructure into civilian areas. And therefore, it's not Israel's campaign that has caused these deaths. It is Hamas's campaign that has caused these deaths. And I think that that's a very, very important factual um, point to make. I think also... I just wonder what they, I just wonder what they would have suggested as an alternative. I I don't understand. Hamas was very, very clearly only killed 1400 people because that's when they were stopped. They would have continued and killed every person in Israel. Every Jew in Israel would have been killed. So I think we have to accept that. I don't think there's any doubt. So, so, so. so, And then 10,000 missiles, 10,000 missiles have been fired towards Israeli civilians without any issue, without any consideration. And without even a mention in this letter about 10,000 missiles that have been fired towards Israeli civilians over the last four weeks. Where is that? Mm. Um, I do, however, want to talk about this term collective punishment because collective punishment signals that there is some sort of revenge going on. We've suffered and therefore we're going to punish you in return. What is the word punishment? I think is a problem. This is not punishment and this is not collective. This is an attempt to root out military infrastructure, the ability to attack Israeli civilians. Nobody is being punished here. What we are trying to do is fight fire with fire. And the term disproportionate, I've no idea where proportions lie here. And Douglas Murray talks about proportionate and Mm. disproportionate very well. Mm. I would like to refer you to him and to what he has said, because the word disproportionate is not a word that belongs in any of this discourse. So, What I would like to say is that before we, you know, I I respect the fact that you have the right to come out and to be critical of Israel and to have your say and to relieve your conscience of what needs to be said. Absolutely. But please make sure that when you do so and in a public way like this, it's factually accurate. And remember, yachad nenatzeach. Together we will win. And this act of divisiveness is not helpful, unfortunately. Indeed. What is happening at the hospital as we speak? Because I think that's the, that is a, a big story of the morning, isn't it? 
It is a big story of the morning, and as I said to you, I think the day before yesterday, I didn't think it was going to take long before the Israeli forces would be going to the hospitals, Mm -hmm. and indeed that is the case. Now, um, first of all, about the hospital, um, we saw that massive the massive uh, demonstration in Washington yesterday, and I was really, really pleased to see people coming out and supporting Israel. Um, Very, very heartwarming, and well done to all those people who turned up from every corner of the United States and Canada and all over the place to come to Washington yesterday. The Washington administration the Joe Biden administration has said about the hospital two things. They don't want to see a shootout in the hospital and they don't want to see Israeli bombardment of the hospital from the air. That's what Joe Biden's administration has said to to the Israeli government. And I think that that will probably almost happen. In other words, I don't think that the hospital will be bombarded from there, but there may well be some shootouts because already Israeli forces are inside that hospital and they are doing it very, very targeted indeed. They're not trying to raid the hospital, take over the whole mm-hmm. hospital. They're going into certain areas on the basis of intelligence that they have, on the basis of things that they know. And I should also add, Howard, that certain Israeli forces have been training for the last two or three weeks in Israel, along the Gaza border, for the moment that they will go into the hospital. They've set up mock-ups of these hospitals in Israel, and they have specifically trained units of the IDF to go into the hospital. That is their job. They've been waiting for this moment to happen. They speak Arabic. They know medical terms, and they know the layout of the hospital well. They know their job. They've been training to do Mm, this, mm. to go in and to avoid patients and to avoid hospital staff and to find the terrorists and to find whatever military installations they can find in the hospital in order to destroy them. That work has begun. That is now in place as we speak right now. Slowly but surely, Al-Shifa Hospital is already uh, that already has IDF forces inside the hospital, and that will be an ongoing subject over the next few days. We don't know very much at the moment about what they're finding and what's going on. We've seen some uh, initial pictures of some of the storage rooms, but I think there will be a lot more flowing out of that hospital situation. The U.S. government has, of course, acknowledged that the hospital is being used for military purposes. That is not an issue up for discussion right now. The question is simply what happens when the forces go in there. Indeed, and that is going to be the big story, that one that certainly we will be following and we'll catch Anthony Rock tomorrow morning, once again at 7.45 for the Israel Report. That Israel Report was brought to you by the Blue Agency. Your Israel property is in good hands. Hi, it's Barry Cohen from the Blue Agency. Israel is currently facing one of its biggest challenges ever. All of Klal Israel is praying for the safety of our soldiers and the return of the hostages. We hope and pray that our soldiers and security forces will prevail and that they will all return home speedily and triumphant. We hold the hands of our clients and friends who have children serving in Sahal, who are protecting Israel and Jews around the world. May Hashem protect us all. Amen.